Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. I'm your host, Gene Signorini, and I'm excited for today's episode. Today's guest is a talented public speaker who is passionate mentor to her peers with a focus on advancing careers through professional development. She serves as principal change consultant, human resources at CH Robinson. Please help me welcome to the show, Nikki Tollefson. Nikki, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jean. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, this is part of our change management series. I'm very excited because it's one of those things that is so overlooked when it comes to um, technology, especially especially in this age where everybody talks about digital transformation, I think change management is one of the most overlooked things. And obviously we like to talk specifically on uh, our program about the deskless workforce, frontline workers. And we always like to kind of kick it off with kind of a big question, which is what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. And I don't think you can answer that without thinking about just the last 18 months that everyone's been yeah. through. And specifically, when I think about that deskless worker, not only have they been navigating just the heaviness, right, of, of the last year, they've also been continued to be on the front line, right? Been the ones that have kept our systems moving and, and kept our country, right, moving forward. In addition to that, um, you know, we continue to throw change at them, right? Like whether that's to help sustain what's happened over the last 18 months, whether that's to make, you know, make them more efficient, efficient in their roles, right? Um, but that pace of change, and I'm sure you hear this from a lot of the change people you talk to, has never been greater. And, and I kind of call it change whiplash, right? Like unintentionally, I think, you know, through really, really good intentions, we, we throw things at them to try to help them. Um, but we do that through so many different venues that, that they're trying to like keep up with it all, right? And so I really think one of the biggest challenges is just all of that change that's coming at them, trying to absorb it, trying to understand how to integrate that right into what they're doing on a daily basis um, in, in the most efficient way. I think that's a great point, Nikki, that you bring up, which is there's so much change. And we often think about it in, okay, in, in kind of very you know, focused ways, which is, oh, there's change in terms of, you know, what you need to do in terms of your job or role, for example, how the, um, the pandemic has impacted, you know, just the, the, the rules and regulations that they have to go through. And then on top of it, we may be implementing a new technology system, right? And on top of it, there may be a new HR system we're throwing or payroll or whatever it may be, right? New benefits, whatever it may be. And so I, I think, you know, particularly when you've got different practitioners within an organization, right, they see it through their own lens, but they may not realize that all this stuff is stacking up. And I just, I think that that phrase change whiplash is perfect, because you can just see it's like they don't know where to look, because it's coming at them from all angles. I think that's, that's great perspective. 
Thank you. Yeah, I it, it's 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 really easy when you're working on your own change project that you're passionate about and you know is going to write like help the frontline workers to make it too much of a thing, right? And and not connect some of those dots. So yeah, you're spot on. It's a really easy trap to fall into. So let's talk a little bit about I, I know there's probably some um some of our listeners and viewers are, are probably not that familiar with CH Robinson. I'd love to kind of uh, learn a little bit more about the company, but more specifically your, your role within the company as a, as a change management practitioner. Yeah. Um, so CH Robinson is based in um, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, which is in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. And um, it's, it's one of the biggest um, third party logistics, multimodal, multimodal transportation um, services in the country and, and really globally as well. So um, when you, when you think about um, a company with, with frontline workers and carriers and, and contractors, um, being on the front line over the last 18 months and, and really just helping helping the country continue to go. Um, that that's that's what CH Robinson has has been all about. Um, and how how has so talk a little bit about how the pandemic has affected CH Robinson specifically? What are some of the things that you guys have had to deal with over the last 18 to 24 months? Yeah, I mean, I can speak specifically to just, you know, what what that what's that what that's meant from a change perspective, right, right? in terms of how I think about it in my role. Um, my role is uh, is a principal change um, practitioner consultant um, within our HR organization. And um, really how we've thought, you know, how I've thought about it differently, specifically over over the last year within the pandemic is, is really going back to what we were saying, right? Like, our, our our employees, whether they sit at a desk or, or they're they're on that front line, they're that desk deskless worker, um, have more going on than they've ever had going on before. And how I think that's shifted my approach to to how I think about the work that I do is um, how do I make it less about my change, really, in some mm -hmm. ways, because again, I think it we can get really really excited about the project that we're working on, and how do I make it more about what's going to make sense for them. And, and, and really the, the, like my guiding principle that I've tried to use over this last year specifically is don't over-engineer it, right? Like keep it as simple as possible um, for, for, for people. Because again, I, I remember early in my change career um, when I started out on technology implementations, every change we put out was a thing. Like we would brand the project. We would put a theme around it. We would, everything that we put out there was, I mean, to be honest, kind of cutesy in some ways, right? Just to make sure that people were excited about it and they were focused on it. And we're in a different world now, obviously, right? And specifically when that, re when that relates to change and at least how, you know, in my current role, how I've thought about it is, we need to be really humble <laughs> in how we as change practitioners think about things anymore. It's not about making it the new shiny toy, right, for people. It's about thinking about how we connect the dots for them as we roll it out, integrate it into what they're already doing um, so that we just we kiss, right, keep it simple <laughs> yeah. um, for them as much as possible. So it, for, for me and, and for my teams, that, that's really what we've tried to think about as, as things have changed over the last year. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I think when people hear about hear change management, particularly if you're not a professional change management person, you think about process, right? And certainly process is very important, right? I mean, that's part of it is, is, is instituting a process for effective change. At the same point, you know, what I'm hearing from you is sometimes we can 
over process things, right? We can overcomplicate things um, and, and, and try to, you know, to over engineer things, I think is the term you used. And I think that's, that's a fantastic point. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned this concept of, um, you know, uh, you, I think you talked about early on in your change management career on an initial technology project. One of the things we always like to understand is how did you get into, into what you're doing, right? What was your path to kind of, we call it your path to innovation, your path to your passion, if you will, and what you're doing now. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Path to passion. I, lo I love that. I'm, I'm stealing that. Um, one of my, one of my favorite that it's one of my favorite questions, not only to talk about, but to ask other change practitioners, because I feel like change management isn't one of those jobs that you, you know, wake up and say, this is what I'm going to go to college <laughs> to do, right? Um, you discover it later. Um, and so I think it's just awesome how there's so many people that come from so many different backgrounds within change. So myself specifically, um, I worked for um, several different corporations over, over my time. Um, Target actually was, was where I did, did a long stint and, and is where I started my change journey. But I like to say that, that I discovered change because I was the person that was needed change the most <laughs> when I sat in the business. I was one of the people that when, when a new technology would roll out, I would say, I don't have time for this. I don't know why we're, I don't know why we're dealing with this right now. I am so busy. I do not have time for this. You, you were, you were the squeaky wheel. I was totally the squeaky wheel. Absolutely. I was. Um, and, and maybe because of that, or, or maybe because they saw something in me, I, I ended up doing a stint on, on the best methods team for one of the businesses I worked in. And so I was all of a sudden flipped onto the project side of the coin, right? Like, Hey, how do we institute more best methods? How, how do we, you know, make things more consistent? And, and I, it, before I realized what change management was, it wasn't really even a term in the industry at that point. That's what started getting me up in the morning and getting me excited was like cracking that nut. I liked to say at that point, like, how do we get people ready for it? You know, and, and we all, a lot of times we say, get them excited for it. Yeah, sure. Maybe we'll get them excited for it, but like, yeah, that new, I don't, who's going to be excited for that new finance system it, that exactly. you just described? Oh, yeah, exactly. So it's more just how do we get them ready, right? How do we help them understand the why behind it? And, and so um, went through a few different roles and um, really was gravitating more to project management um, because of that, because I knew I could dabble in that. And once I finally got my story together, though, in terms of like, what do I want to do next? I was always after the next right role. But once my story was just around less about what role do I want to go to next and what kind of work and experiences do I want to be having? And then I started talking about the people side of it, right? Like I love getting people ready when these things happen. I love understanding how it's going to impact them. And, and finally, somebody said to me, I, I think that's a job now. And, and so that, that's, that's ultimately how, how I came to change. Um, yeah. And how long you've been with uh, C.H. Robinson now? Um, I've been with C.H. Robinson um, just over a year, actually. Okay. So um, I've, I've been, have been really lucky to do change in, in a lot of different capacities. So do it for, you know, again, several corporations. Um, started focusing on, on technology implementations first, but then have had the opportunity to work on some pretty big transformational things, whether it's, you know, org transformations or process transformations um, across different shared services. Um, did some consulting work for a while, dabbled, dabbled in that, and, and ultimately um, loved, loved what, what C.H. Robinson was doing um, and, and landed there. So, and your current role is, is change management within HR. Yep. Uh, correct. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, we tend to think about these things in perhaps silos, right? There's HR, there's technology, there's other things, but 
particularly in today's world, I, I think they're they're probably colliding. How how is that? How are you guys dealing with that within CH Robinson, for example? Yeah, so spot on. Um, you know, gosh, th- this relates to to actually many of the several of the, of the last few companies I've worked for, inclusive of CH Robinson, in terms of how we're trying to think about change. And again, it goes back to what I was talking about in terms of you know, for a long time, I think you know, change is is fairly you know newer in in itself as a capability, right? And and when I was first working on it, we were we were very almost you know just like in silos in some ways, which is exactly what you shouldn't be doing when you're thinking about change, but working on your own project, thinking about the perfect way to implement it. How is it going to impact your stakeholders? How do we communicate to those stakeholders? And, and again, as, as the pace of change speeds up and as people's lives get more busy and more complicated, what we've started to realize is, is that we need to take this step back and think about how you know, inclusive of, for me right now, across all of HR, as an example, right, our changes are impacting end users and how we bring that together. But we've really also tried to think about just even in broader shared services, right, as, as our finance partners are rolling things out, as our technology partners are rolling things out, how do we connect the dots across all of those things, right, so that, again, it, it, we, we avoid some of that maybe change whiplash that I was talking about when we think about our, our business units that are just you know, churning and burning and, and getting the job done right day after day. How do we bring together the changes that we across the shared services are planning to implement? How those, you know, work together, complement each other, how we maybe sequence them in a smarter way, right? So that we are thinking about, about that that person in the seat or, or on the front line and, and making it, you know, easier for them to connect the dots. Well, and it also seems that that anything you touch today, for example, has a technology bent to it. Right. So if you're doing something that's HR related, if you're doing something that is organizational related, right, some sort of reorganization or restructuring, there's going to be technology change involved in that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, in, in many of the programs and projects I've, I've worked on over the last few years, we, we, we look at it through kind of a, a few different lenses, right? And, and we cut on some of my teams, we called it the three-legged stool, if you yeah. will, with, it's, you know, people, HR being one of them, right? Technology and, and the technologies that are getting implemented to help me, you know, make people's lives easier is one of them. Finance space, right? That, that, that side of the shared service is another one. And, and we kind of talk about, right? Like if one of those stools falls down or breaks, the whole stool comes down, right? So when you relate that to what you're talking about in terms of technology implementations, right? Like, um, you know, a, a director I work with right now really wisely says, right? Like technology isn't necessarily the solution to the problem, right? It's, it's the impetus to the solution. And if we as technology just go out there and push that solution out, right? Even if we have a great change plan around it, if we're not looking across all three of those pillars, as we call them, or those legs of the stool to understand, right? what's that going to mean for how people behave differently or, you know, how are they going to need to work differently around that technology, right? Like if we don't have those conversations and think about that across those three shared services and then kind of harness that power, right? That power of thinking to how we actually communicate that to the end user, we're not going to be as successful as we can be, right? Rolling some of that stuff out. Yeah. And this is definitely something I'd like to come back and touch on a little bit, which is, you know, you mentioned so many different things right there that are involved in the change management process. I've just been going through this myself in, in my day job. I'm vice president of product strategy and marketing at Skillful. And, and we've just 
been instituting a new change management process for, for our product, the Skillful Platform, right? And you recognize how many different areas that it touches upon, right? Whether that's, there's the communication aspects of it, there's training aspects of it, right? There's, um, you know, customer success aspects of it. There's all sorts of things depending on what you're doing. So it, it's very interesting. Um, so you're in, C.H. Uh, uh, Robinson is in the Minneapolis area, as you mentioned, and, and that's where you reside as well, correct? It is, yeah. Yep, I've uh, been here since since college, so been in Minneapolis longer than than I'll, I'll admit, based on how long it's been since I graduated college. And yeah, live here with, I, with my I husband. Won't, and I won't. I won't ask you that question. I know it's I always sensitive, <laughs> but you did go to North Dakota State University, so you're not originally from Minnesota, correct? I am a proud Midwest girl. Yes, grew okay. up in uh, Southwest North Dakota, about as Southwest as you can get. So I'll let you guys look that up on the map. Um, and yeah, went went to NDSU and then migrated over over to the Twin Cities after that. And, and what what do you and the family like to do uh, in in Minnesota these days? In your in your spare when you're not trying to fix the world at C.H. Robinson, <laughs> and what what do you guys like to do? Yeah, I my husband and I joke. He, so he he grew up in Minnesota as uh, so we're we're both Midwest kids and and we our joke is if if we're gonna live in in a place that has as heavy of a four seasons as as Minnesota does, um, you better be prepared to get outside every single one of them and enjoy them. So that's that's kind of a, the anchor to, to how we spend our time. So we love to to get outside, to hike, to ski in the winter, to explore just new places. Um, and yeah, sometimes I feel like I could be like an advocate for Minnesota because I it's it's seriously one of the most beautiful states in the world and there are there's just no end to the stuff that you can discover so so yeah we're, we're constantly dragging our kids outside going on hikes um, doing stuff like that that's great that's great so I'd love to get back to um, that the big challenge you talked about at the beginning yeah. right which was the the concept of change whiplash which I'm going to steal for you. If you're going to steal passive passion, I'm going to have to steal a uh, change whiplash, Fair. but I, I, I love it. And, you know, and, and then you talked about, you know, kind of the user really kind of making it simple for them. What's kind of the feedback you've gotten from your workers. And I know CH Robinson, you know, just is, ha has such a heavy representation of frontline workers. What's kind of the, the response you get to them, right. When, when, you know, how, how have they kind of manifested their either frustrations or anxieties or thoughts about this change whiplash? Yeah. You know, I think when I think back to every different group of frontline stakeholders that I've worked with across my career, the feedback actually continues to be pretty similar. It's just exacerbated tenfold, right? Again, based on just the environment around it now, right? Um, so, so a couple of thoughts on that. I think the first one is that, you know, what I've always heard from kind of my frontline stakeholders is that it can be, it's really easy for a change practitioner who has a desk job, right? To be totally, totally fair, to be really, really good at thinking through like, how am I going to engage my stakeholders? What do the impacts mean to them for other desk workers, right? Yeah. And so just don't, don't ever take for granted the power of making sure that very early on in, in your project and, and in your conversations around change, that you're integrating the voice of the people who are actually living it, right? And, and it sounds really simple, right? Yeah. That sounds really simple, but 
I think it's something we, we oftentimes forget, right? How, that, so how do, how do you do that? I mean, how do you do that? Like you said, you can easily, we can all easily relate, you know, to people who are like us who do jobs in, you know, sitting in front of a computer most of the day and during the pandemic could work from home when they needed to. How do you, how do you kind of put yourself in their shoes? I, I, th I think is kind of what you were, we're relaying. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you need, you need to build a really, really strong network of people that can help you. I, I kind of call it like shining your lens, right? If you remember when you were a kid and you took that light and you, you know, would really amplify it and not on ants, hopefully, but you know, on, <laughs> on those, you, you need to take that lens and you need to build partnerships across with people who are, who are going to be able to, to, to sit in that space with you and put yourself in, in, in those, in those people's shoes. And, and I mean, for me, it's who, who are my partners across HR who sit with business leaders on a day in day out basis, right? Like, HR business partners are a really great resource to tap into because they understand, right? And, and, and sit with leaders and, and hear what, you know, what, what they're trying to go after, what's important to them in their business right now, right? So that's one level of, of stakeholder that, that you need to think about how you get to. Um, and then it's, you know, we do a lot of listening strategies really is, is what we call them, right? And, and it's, you know, how are you, whether it's a focus group, whether it's um, a survey, whether it's, again, just getting in front of the people that are going to be able to get down on the floor, right? With some of yep. those employees to, to talk about, you know, and, and again, not just talk about the impact to the change that's, that, that we're about to push out to them, right? It's to talk about what else is happening in your environment, right? What are you dealing with right now? Because I mean, gosh, one thing we talked a lot about, I remember a few months ago is we were just in the dead heat of summer, right? And, and people were, you know, working and out there. And it was just I, like, I would have never thought of that <laughs> as, as a consideration to say, right? Like this, is something they're dealing with on a day in day out basis. And as we're rolling this change out, the last thing that they want to have to do is X, Y, and Z, right. Based on some yeah. of these other conditions that are happening. So it's, it's really, I mean, change management 101 in some cases, like put that stakeholder engagement plan together, understand who is going to be able to give you the best voice across those. Don't assume that, that, you know, best, right. Um, and be humble would be the other <laughs> Other piece that, that I've learned and I'm still learning is I think, again, as a change practitioner, we, we can get really excited about some of the ideas we have, right? That we're going to help, we're going to roll this out and they're going to love this, right? They're going to think like that, you know, this, this contest that we're going to do so that they, you know, that they really get, you know, revved up about, about digging in and learning about this that is going to fall flat because again, of all the other things that they have going on, right. And they don't have time to focus on that. So um, really strong stakeholder management, strong partnerships with the people that either are living it or are hearing about it and know what they're living. And then a really, really strong dose of hu humility as you pull those plans together in iteration to, to really pass those by people, get their feedback, iterate on it and, and make sure that it's landing the right way. Now, you know, you mentioned earlier too th this, you know, to keep it simple, right? And not over-engineer things. However, I imagine like any, any practitioner, change management professional, you've kind of got a, a playbook that you kind of rely on or a process that, you know, that you try to, to, to look through to, to help with your consistency. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are kind of the, the best practices, if you will? Right. In terms of a and I'm, I'm sure every single initiative is different. Every project's different. But kind of what are the, the typical? OK, here are the things that we need to make sure we're covering uh, as we kind of go through and, and build a plan for for this particular initiative. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love this question because to me, this is, I, I like to talk about change in terms of the art side and the science yep. side, right? So this is the science. This and is then, the science yeah, side. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I will say, I, I'm, I, I know, you know, you've had people on your podcast before who, um, you know, are pro size certified and love that ad car model. Um, I, you know, ACMP has, has a really great model that you can baseline. Um, I, I kind of like to say I'm, I'm from the school of, of scrappiness where, um, I kind of take bits and pieces, uh, across all those, those <laughs> different, different sources that are out there, um, to pull together what I like best. I've also, again, been lucky enough to work at some big companies that, that had their own kind of change, you know, methodology and tools that, that, that they utilized. But I think for me, what, what I love about what I've learned across all of those different methodologies is that at their core, they're the same. So the science piece is, is, is really at its core the same, right? It's, it's one on the upfront, what, I, what you always have to do is, is understand, right? Like who, who are your advocates, right? So what's, what, what, what on the, who are the leaders on the upfront that, that you need to get in front of and, and understand and, and get them on board and, and they're gonna be the voice of, of what you're doing. A part of that then is, is obviously then a really robust stakeholder engagement plan, right? Understanding whether it's people leading up to the change. I call that the setting the table stage mm -hmm. <laughs> that you need to make sure that they understand where you're going. If you need them as advocates, they're there, right? It's that piece. But then it's, you know, even more important, the stakeholders, you know, coming, leading into the change and coming out of it that are going to be impacted, right? So, so rooted in, in a strong stakeholder engagement plan. Um, understanding the impacts, right? Impact assessment is, is that science piece to, to really dig in, right? Like what from to, right? What the heck is, is going to happen to them as a part of that? Then you need, need to move into to the actual change plan, right? And the biggest anchors of that are, are how you're going to engage people throughout that. How are you going to communicate to them? And how are you going to train them? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's really nailing those down. So I, I guess if I would distill it down to like, it, at least for me, the simplest of terms, and again, there's so much good stuff out there around, you know, how you do that stuff and the tools that you use behind the scenes, but the, those are, those are the, the non-negotiables to be now, then you have the art that sits around all of that. And that's my favorite part about change, right? Like, I really feel like, like when, when people talk to me about like, <clears throat> what makes a good change practitioner, you can teach them the tools, right? You can teach them the science part of it, but the art side of it is you need to be curious, right? About just what makes people tick. And you need to, I feel like you need to be someone who just kind of really thrives behind the scenes, right? That is just there to poke and prod and guide and lead, right? Whether that's the leaders that are on the front line of it, whether it's, again, the people that are going to have to experience the change, the project team in some cases, in some ways, right? Like how you bring them together, like you're, the change person's never going to be on the forefront, like delivering the messages and right. Like speaking at the trainings or, you know, like doing any of that, like you're really behind the scenes, like helping make that happen in the right way. So you have to be passionate about that side of it too. Well, you're clearly passionate about the, about the entire process, but I can certainly hear the inflection in your voice go up when you're talking about the the art side of it. Are there any stories you can share, like examples from your past about something that, you know, was you kind of a, a creative way you kind of work through a, um, a change management process? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really good question. I would say, you know, a, a really good example that I can pull is 
Well, first I'll start with a learning, I guess, if, okay. if you'll allow me. Yeah. So um, I, I remember I hit a certain point in my career where again, like I, I was like, I was, I was earlier on in, in change again, I didn't have right. Like 15 projects under my belt. And, and I remember very specifically, um, going in to some, you know, big leader stakeholders and, um, having to, you know, talk them through, it was a point in the project where we were going to say, Hey, here, here is, who's going to be impacted by this. Right. And, and this is, you know, this is how they're going to have to behave differently. And this is what we think we should do. Right. And I leaned so heavily on the tools, right. That we use as a part of that and the terminology, right. That we use as change practitioners, practitioners as a part of that. So I went in spitballing, you know, impact assessment and stakeholder engagement and all those buzzwords. And I was so excited because we had like nailed pulling that data together and that information and it landed flat. Like they, I mean, and again, you know, you can tell I get excited when I talk about change, but like most business leaders. Yeah. Why why aren't you as excited as I am? Exactly. Exactly. And so for me, and, and again, I don't think this, any, any of your listeners are going to say, oh, this is like the most creative idea ever. But, but that moment was a key moment for me and a key learning for me as, as a change practitioner, because I shifted my mindset of any time I'm going in front of anyone outside of my project team. And in many cases, my project team included, but especially business leadership, it is not about speaking to the science side of the change. It's about speaking to the outcome side of the change. It's about speaking to, right? And, and again, that's stakeholder management 101 that, that was just, I needed to learn at that point was that flip of mindset and that flip of phrase to, this is what you're going to get out of it, right? Like, this is what your teams are going to get out of it. This is what it means to you, you know, as, as, as a business person, that's what you have to nail. That's, that needs to be the wrapper when you go to market, right? In essence, all the other stuff, there's a ton of work that happens behind the scenes to get there, that science piece of it, but like, they don't care about that, nor should they care about that. They don't have time to care about that, right? Like you need to come in and be succinct and think about it in terms of business outcomes, because that's ultimately what, what they need to be worried about on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I think this is a great transition to something else I wanted to touch on, which is, you know, the technology side of things and, and change management when it comes to technology and, and, you know, We've been hearing this phrase digital transformation for several years now. Um, it's so widely used, but I also think that's one of those phrases that kind of, you know, sounds hollow to people on the operations side, to people on the business side, right? Because digital transformation is just a term, right? And and what are those outcomes that are going to impact them? And 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 kind of what I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, is you've seen technology projects you've you've worked on them in the in the past you've been you've been a recipient of them before you were a change management professional you know what are things that you've seen have been effective when it comes to trying to implement technology change or transformational technology initiatives and and what have you seen that that hasn't been very effective yeah so Gosh, let's start with, I mean, let's start with the what hasn't been very effective. And, and I'm going to hit on a, a couple of the things that, that we, we talked about earlier that that's a part of that. But um, I think first and foremost, again, is getting too focused on that one specific change, your change, right? Yeah. 
and and again, I'm going to use the term over-engineer again. So I've I've done it myself. I've been a part of technology implementations where we were so excited about the technology that's rolling out. It's so cool, right? That that in and of itself is is going to get people excited, right? Um, so that and then like directly tied to that again is is not keeping it simple and not helping those frontline, you know, people under like really, really understand, right? Like this is how this is going to knit into my day to day, right? Like yeah. I think with change, it's easy to say like, this is the new shiny thing, get excited about it. When what it really needs to be is this is the new thing, but this is how it knits into what you already do and what that's going to mean, right? For, for what you already do and what you're worried about. So that, that, that kind of transitions into what I would say about what what has gone well, right? When when I feel like we've we've done a pretty darn good job with it, it's it's a couple of things. It's it's again that that true step back to understand the full landscape of what you're putting that change out into, right? Again, what's happening in the business at that particular moment? What else are they worried about? Are there any other changes that they're having to deal with, right? And really using that as the anchor to build, right? Your change plan. And then I think the second thing that I've seen that, that we're really trying to do better to be more effective is, is again, how do we explain that and, and integrate that into processes or moments that matter to those employees that are already there, right? Like, hey guys, you, you'd perform this particular process. Now this is just another part of it, right? Or, oh, you have this particular moment in your day already. This is how this knits into it, right? So instead of it being this just new thing that's there, it's, nope, I still have the context of, of what I need to accomplish in a day, what I'm worried about. And now I can start to understand how this right will play in to that and what that might mean to what, what I need to do differently, but ultimately then how that's going to help me, right, achieve what I need to on a day-to-day -day basis versus again, day-to-day -day basis change, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and again, Nikki, you know, I guess you, you know, you've talked a lot about the in really engaging um, those employees, communicating well, making them understand what it means for them, right, in their, in their day-to-day and also what the benefits are to them. And you can go through that whole part of it and be successful, but there's also the part of, okay, how do you get users to adopt, right? Whether it's a new technology or a new process. So talk a little bit about that. How do we, how do we ensure adoption, right? For users, when we're introducing anything new, any new technology, any new process, yeah. what's your experience with that? Gosh, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? If we did that perfectly every time and, and could tell a business leader, I'm going to ensure you 100% adoption by X moment, man, I we'd be on a different different <laughs> podcast there, Jane. <laughs> um, but I, I, I would say how we do that as effectively as we possibly can is, is, is a couple of things again, like, and I've covered some of these already, so I, I won't belabor yeah. those points, but it's, it's again, getting like putting yourself in, in the shoes, right. Of, of those, of, of those frontline employees, not assuming, <laughs> right. That, that we know best uh, around how, how they're going to absorb it, how they're going to learn it. So that's where I always start. The second piece then is, is iteration, right? Like I, I very specifically remember the first couple of change projects that I worked on where go, go live would happen, right? We roll it out. The project team has a big celebration, right? Go live. 
And then most of the project team disbands, right? Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, two, three months later, you've got business leaders saying, this is not working. And you're either, they're pulling a new project team together. They're, they're having lots of tough conversations about why it's not working, right? So that, that iteration piece, it's, it, it has a lot that sits underneath it, right? One, it's making sure that you're starting that change process early enough where you can have those feedback moments, those listening moments and adjust and change and shift and not be afraid to do that, right? Because the, like the first plan we put together is, is I've never been in a project where the first change plan I put together was the perfect change plan. And I will have never said in my career that we implemented the perfect change plan, right? So we iterated it on it leading up to rollout. And then we put a, a process in place so we could stay there post rollout, right? And understand how is it really hitting? What are the challenges we're still seeing, right? And how do we continue then um, to follow up and, and make sure that the that we're driving that adoption as much as we possibly can. And so it's, it's me, it sounds like it, it needs to be part of a, a continuous process versus kind of a project mentality. Um, you Spot know, and, on. yeah. And, and, and we see that a lot, or, or I'm interested to see, you know, we see that a lot in training, right. Which is companies think of training as one and done, particularly in a change process where it's like, okay, we got them trained. We're good. Sure. They're ready. Yeah, it's like the circus rolls into town and then they roll out and, you know, what's left behind in their wake, right? Yep, yep. Spot, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that you said that, Gene, in terms of like, how do you think about it as less of a project in some ways, right? And and that is certainly something that that um, that I think is important is, is figuring out, right? Like, yeah, they might not have budget right <laughs> to keep like yeah. really frankly right to keep a project team around forever so where does that evolution live then right is it in one of the shared service coes because it's integrated as a part of a process right that they can continue to touch and keep their fingers on the pulse of is there do you, do you need to find a way to embed that into the business right whether that's through some of your super users or, or you know different creative ways that way but you're absolutely right the sustainment of that that evolution of, of how is it going? What do we need to shift and change that has to be baked in somewhere? Yeah. I have a question for you on, you know, um, technology, flipping it around a little bit, not about implementing technology or, or, or managing change for technology projects, but are you using any technology in your change management process? Are you using technology as an enabler, for example, to communicate, to engage with users, things of that nature? Yeah. I mean, across my career and, and currently too. Yeah. We, I mean, again, especially the, the, this last year, we, we've had to get a lot more creative with that. Right. Um, I would say, you know, nothing super specific comes to mind, but what we do always do, what we do always do <laughs> is we, <laughs> we take a moment as we're thinking about how are we going to get the messages out there? How are we going to have the conversations? Right. Like, again, it's, it's, you do your, you do, you do your impact assessment with your stakeholders in the upfront to understand, you know, how is this change going to impact them? You need to do a similar exercise once you you're, you're talking about how you're actually going to get the messages or, or get the training to them. Right. And then it's doing like shining that lens similarly. Right. Like, again, it's super easy on the, on the desk front in some ways to say, well, we'll get them on a team's call. Right. We've yeah. got teams now. This is amazing. They can ask questions, this, this, and that, that is not the same. That's not going to work for most of our, you know, for our frontline workers. So again, it's taking the solution and then understanding, right. What, what's the best way to get that out there. 
Yeah. And that was going to be one of my other questions is what's that difference between your, you know, quote unquote desk, you know, knowledge worker who sits in front of a computer all the time and your frontline worker who, who doesn't have that luxury. How have you, how have you guys tried to tackle that particular challenge? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's, it's conversations with, with the people that know and understand what those frontline workers are doing on a day-to-day basis. And it's, it's really, it's brainstorming with them. It's trying to get creative on, on what, what's the best way to do this. And, and, and again, I, I feel like one of my ahas has been, it doesn't need to be the, the, the most shiny, impressive, whatever, whatever words I'm trying to go for there, like rollout strategy, right? Yeah. Like, honestly, in some cases, when, you know, some of my HR business partners, again, who work, work with, with those groups on a day in day out basis, they're like, just get them in a room together on their break and, and have this person talk to them. Cause guess what? That's the influencer there. They're going to listen. They're going to understand. We don't need this, this, you know, the poster on, you know, and, and in some cases that that's the way to do it, right? Like, let's get it up on the board. Let's get it up on the ticker. Let's do, you know, let's do this. Let's, but they've, a lot of those subject matter experts and, and those people that just, again, understand what, what people are, are going through right now have helped me take a step back and just say, like, sometimes it can be really simple too. And <laughs> sometimes yeah, that, well, that, that's the best way to do it. Well, I'm sure they appreciate simple because it's one of the things that we've discovered as well is, you know, say you have to pull somebody, you know, a frontline worker for training, it's, it's a delivery driver or something like that, right? That's, that's time before their shift, or that's time after their shift, after Absolutely. what these days, especially, is a very long shift, Absolutely. right? So, you know, they are, you know, they're always looking at, at their time and the management of their time, because they're, that's always being scrutinized, especially today, when we're trying to do less with more. And, and, you know, they're also trying to maximize their time, their personal time, right on top of their, their professional time. Totally. I feel like no matter what, you know, stakeholder audience you're looking at, but especially when it comes to frontline workers, like the fundamental way that at least I started my career thinking about change and, and what makes a good change strategy and a change rollout plan to what I think now is, has completely flipped on its head. Again, like I mentioned earlier on in our conversation, like to me, when I started and at least the examples that I saw that people would stand up as a great change plan were those, to be frank, hyper over-engineered plans that, I mean, we had themes and every communication that went out and every engagement that we had was tied back to the, we spent more time thinking about how to tie that back to the theme and make it sound cool and brand it cool, right? was that was what was going to get people excited to the thought of doing something like that now it, it wouldn't it just it, it wouldn't even close to land because again people would say that is so tone deaf like do you know what we're having to try to get done on a day-to-day basis and you've got me here trying to rah rah about a change that, that you're tying this cutesy theme to that I don't I, I don't even really understand what this is doing for me so well, and I think there's probably a bit of, you know, maybe suspicion, right? Then when things are kind of given, you know, there's a whole lot of bells and whistles. It's not going to be as simple as people say it's going to be, right? That this isn't going to make my life easier. This is just going to make my life harder. Um, and and so it's kind of like the message is getting in the way, right? The yeah. marketing is getting in the way of the message you're trying to convey. 
at least hopefully that this is something that we're putting in place because it should make your life easier. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that difference of that, that mindset of what's being pushed down on me, which is exactly what you don't want to, oh, they're listening to me, right? They're, they're, they're sitting in my space. They're giving me that space to tell, tell, you know, to explain what's hard, (laughs) what we need help with. Right. And now they're bringing me a solution that's going to help solve that for me. Right. Like that, that, that shift is, is everything. Right. So, um, Nikki, I, I like to kind of close out typically these, um, these podcast episodes with the question. It's usually about working in technology, but I'm going to flip it to change management. And the second part of this question may be difficult for you. Um, the first part is what do you love about working in change management? And the second part is what do you hate about it or not like so much, right? And it seems from what you've been talking about, it seems you're pretty passionate about it. So the list of what you love is, is probably very long, but if you could pick out one thing, what is it that you love about change management? Yeah, oh, you're right. That is tough for me, but I would say if I distilled it down, the thing that I love the most is that like when I describe what I do to my friends and my family, like I get to say, I every day I'm thinking about people and, and how I hopefully help make their, their jobs, their lives a little bit easier. Like that. I just, I love everything's wrapped around that. I would say all all of the things, you know, that that it's different every day that you get to, you know, engage with so many different people, but ultimately I I get to say that my job really is, is about people. And I love that. Um, yeah. What, for what frustrates you? Ah, um, so I am a perfectionist, <laughs> a little bit type A by nature. Um, and so I think what, what I've had to learn and, and that what I just need to continue, like, and this is just a selfish personal thing, right? So what, what I need to just internalize and, and always remember and learn is that you never get change perfect right? Like there is like, you just don't, there's always something you could have done differently, always something that, you know, you could have thought about differently. Um, and so for someone who just is, is kind of ticks in this, this way of perfection, maybe that's part of the reason I came to it. It's just good therapy for me that, that then I just always realize that it's, it's okay for there to always be something that you can do better. Um, but that that's just the nature of change. And so I think it's really good for me. Um, but there are moments where, where I do struggle with that, where I'm like, gosh, I really thought that was like almost perfect and it's not it's never going to be <laughs> well it keeps it it keeps you motivated to move on to the next one right absolutely yeah well this has been a great conversation uh nikki where um can people people can if they want to get in touch with you what's the best way linkedin yeah um, yep absolutely linkedin yep search nikki tollison and there i am nikki tollison is ch robinson you'll find her are you a big tweeter um, I, I am on the Twitter. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Nikki Tollefson on, on Twitter. Yep. Yep. I'm not a, a huge poster. I, if I post about anything, um, transparently it's about Peloton. That's, um, that's another conversation for another day. Well, I but, saw um, you, I saw you swigging out of your Peloton water bottle. The people listening <laughs> couldn't see that, but I saw it. What's your, uh, Peloton, uh, handle? My Peloton handle is Minneapolis mama. And so if I'm being honest, if you really want to find me that, that, that's where, that's you, where they're going to find it. They're going to find yeah. you. They're going to find you in the saddle. Yeah. In the saddle and on the tread. Both on so. the tread. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, uh, Nikki, I really want to thank you for joining us uh, on this episode. It's been great insights. We can tell that you are 
absolutely passionate about what you do. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you could share that passion with our listeners. So thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, Gene. It was a pleasure. And for those listening, I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. If so, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. And a reminder, this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. You can visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story. Until then, see you on our next episode.